Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. Welcome back to the Gay Buddhist Fellowship. Um, before we do our introductions, just by a show of hands, is there anybody here for the first time or after a long absence? Great. Welcome. We'll try and remember your names as we go around. Um, my name is Tom. My name is Henry. My name is Ricky. My name is Jim. My name is Noel. My name is Mark. <coughs> Peter. My name is Michael. My name is Tom Jordan. My name is Ray. My name is Jerry. My name is Jerry. I'm Jeff. My name is Cass. My name is Lise. I'm Tony. My name is Paul. My name is Todd. My name is Val. My name is Hal. My name is Jim. I'm Marvin. I'm Richard. I'm Joe. I'm Dennis. Great. I'm Clint. <laughs> so uh, today we have the pleasure of one of our very own Sangha members uh, to talk to us. Clint is actually one of uh, the most long-standing members of GBF. Um, he's been a member of both GBF and the Green Gulch Zen Buddhist communities. Um, during that time, he has been the lead muffin baker in the Green Gulch for <laughs> and the head of GBF's monthly Feed the Homeless dinners at Larkin Street Youth Center for over 20 years. Clint will discuss his involvement in engaged Buddhism in both these projects and how they have become an integral part of his Buddhist practice. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. <clears throat> well, I'd like to first start by just uh, a, a little personal history uh, of how I got involved in these various projects. Um, in my late 30s, I was at a job that I'd done for 12 years, and I just got to the point where I just hated it. And I figured 40 was coming on the big 4-0, and uh, if I didn't bail out, now, at that time, then uh, I would be doing this for the rest, rest of my working career. So uh, I quit, and I, I wanted to go into a whole different field. I wanted to go into environmentalism, even though I had absolutely no background in that whatsoever. So I was just interested in the issues. And um, I did everything you're supposed to do when looking for a job. I, I got what color is your parachute. I, I went to the networking things. I did all the informational interviews. I, I was just totally involved in the work of getting a job, and um, I was not able to get one. Uh, again, it was a field I had no background in, and there were other people I was competing with for, for what jobs were out there. The economy was, of course, better back then than it is now, but still, it wasn't great. Um, and a, a year went by without me getting any work, and, you know... <laughs> A couple more months went by, and I got to the point where I was 
just really feeling very, very anxious about it. My, my segments were dwindling. I didn't see any prospects getting work in the future. And I just remember that I had like this one crisis time. I, I was, I remember very clearly, even though it was so long ago, it was, um, I, I had an interview for a job downtown in the financial district, and it was unusually a hot day, you know, very rare in San Francisco, but it was a really hot day. I was in a suit, which I normally ne never wear, and I just found out I didn't get the job. And so I was, I just walked out there, and I was, I was in the financial district, all this traffic around, all these people around, the sun beating down, me sweating, me feeling, my feeling all this anxiety. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what the, the psychological textbook definition of an anxiety attack is, but I had something that felt like that. I just felt, <coughs> just felt freaked out. And I thought, I've got to get out of this environment. So... Um, I needed to go to places that was like green and peaceful and just get out of here because I was just going, I just couldn't stand being in that place. So I, I had hiked in Mount Tan over, over the years and, and was familiar with it. And doing that, I was familiar with passing by the Green Gold Zen Center, which is just right on the, on the base of, <coughs> or on the side of Mount Tan. And I passed through, I, uh, I'd driven by it, and um, I think I may even have walked through it. It is, you can walk around even though they don't have services except for on Sundays. Um, so I had that in mind, okay, I'll go to Green Gulch. I mean, it's just kind of like this, this, this impulse decision. And I went there, and it was like during the middle of the week, and it was like early, late afternoon, early evening. And, you know, like I said, it, it, it's not really open to the public except for on Sundays. And so they just saw this guy just show up at the doorstep looking very distraught, I imagine. And they let me in, and I had supper with them, and I just talked about it. Nothing consequential, but but it was really a very soothing place, uh, I, and I calmed down from what I was feeling earlier that day, and it was it was really beneficial for me to have gone there. So I started while I was still looking for work. I started going to Green Gulch, you know, on the Sunday services. And what they do, they have like um, uh, a meditation period, and then they have a Dharma talk afterwards, and then they have like a little social period afterwards of tea and muffins, and the muffins are, are baked that morning. Um, by crew, and um, as it turns out, eventually I did get the job that I got until I retired earlier this year. And you know, it, it was turned to be a good job, and I was very happy that I made that that change in my life. Uh, but I kept on going to Green Gulch. This that was basically my my introduction to Buddhism. Started from there. I flirted with it before a little bit, but uh, it, it really started on a more serious level. Um, at that point, and um, they they made these announcements. Uh, you know, they had the Dharma talk, and then they have announcements about um, various activities going on or needs that they had. And they said they asked for volunteers for, for making muffins. There was this one guy, I think his name was John. I don't really remember. Remember, very nice guy. He was the head of the muffin crew. Uh, and, and then, like, we would just be called as volunteers to show up periodically, not every Sunday necessarily, but just periodically and help John do the muffins. And they had, like, six basic recipes that we, we would just kind of go through the, the cycle. So I showed up, and then I started showing up more often, and so I was kind of like John's second in command of, you know, the muffin brigade. Uh, <laughs> And, um, and eventually John got a, a job offer that required that he work on Sundays. So I just elected to, to take his place. And by this time, I had a pretty good idea how to, how to do it. 
And I just totally got into it. And, uh, I just bought all these muffin cookbooks, and I went on the internet and got all these muffin recipes, and I typed them all up, and I you know, expanded them to 12 dozen to 16 dozen. And he has a little notebook and you know, laminated sheets, and I really got into it. And, and, uh, and you know, I, I thought, I'm going you know, to bring all these exotic muffins to Zen Center. So, so I had like pina colada muffins and pumpkin cheesecake <laughs> muffins and strawberry rhubarb muffins. And I was kind of like bringing Tibetan Buddhism to a Zen Buddhist environment. <laughs> and um, it, you know, it, it was great fun. Um, I had to be there at 6 in the morning, but I'm by nature an early riser, so that so we just had to get 5 o'clock Monday morning, Sunday morning. Um, so I, I really didn't mind that. And uh, I don't know if, I know some people have been to Green Gulch, but um, it's, for those who haven't, it's, it's really a lovely place. It's a working farm up, up in Marin County, and it's very peaceful and green, and, and the, the architecture is in the Japanese style. Um, and I would go there early in the morning. The kitchen was very well provisioned. It had like four working ovens, and it had all the, the utensils and stuff you needed um, to, to do it. And... Um, like I said, it was very quiet. The drive up there was very peaceful, and, and you know, I work and I work with the volunteers. And I got along well with the volunteers, and it, it was just it was just an interesting practice to take all these different elements, you know, the the flour, the baking powder, the, the various fruits, the, the eggs, et cetera, et cetera, and you, you just combine together to get this this product, and I hope usually it was a product that. that people really enjoyed. And, it, you know, it wasn't, the Zen Center will not shrivel up and die if they don't have muffins. But it, it was still, it was, it, it was appreciated. The people really enjoyed me being there and doing that. I enjoyed doing something that helped the, Zen, uh, the Green Gulch people because they've been so instrumental in helping me. Um, but I also just really felt good too. I felt like there was like uh, the, the people that lived on Green Gulch, and then there were like the, the, the Sunday visitors. And I, I kind of was in between those two two positions, and it gave me a link to the community and made me feel more committed to Green Gulch. And if I just showed up on Sundays and just went home afterwards, so so. I'm not sure I run out of time. So, so um, you know, I was doing the Green Gulch thing, and I was getting more deeper into Buddhism, really enjoying it. And uh, Green Gulch has periodically all these little workshops they offer, and you know, one-day workshops or weekend workshops or even longer. And they had one workshop on on Buddhism and sexuality. I thought, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. So it was just like a little afternoon discussion after uh, the Dharma talk. So, so I, I went there. And uh, it's like about, I don't know, eight or nine people there. It wasn't a big group. And people started talking about uh, their, their marriages and their relationships with their wives or their husbands and raising a family. And I was thinking, well, all right. Uh, this wasn't something I could, I could really identify with. So I, so I just said, um, well, how do you apply Buddhism to casual sex? Crickets. <laughs> 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 And, you know, I really wasn't trying to be provocative. Or, 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 I mean, it was more like just being clueless, I guess, uh, because there was like this, this, you know, I mean, it was an issue that I, I, I dealt with and I saw in the gay community. Um, and, you know, there was some embarrassed, embarrassed silence, and then somebody said, the guy leading said something generic. And then we went back to talking about families. And just as a sidebar, so I, I wrote an article about applying Buddhist Dharma to casual sex. 
and, and it's in uh, the Green, uh, the, the Queer Dharma uh, anthology that came out many years ago. Uh, that's a different story. Um, so I, I realized that as, as much as I was enjoying Green Gulch, there, there were large parts of my experience as a gay man uh, that weren't really being addressed. So I was still doing the muffins, and I was still going to Green Gulch, but I, I really felt like the fit wasn't complete. And um, I had heard that there was this group of gay Buddhist men that just formed this group um, a couple months previous um, called Gay Buddhist Fraternity. That was what we were called back then. Still GBF, but not fellowship. And, and they were meeting uh, at the um, hospice, the Zen hospice uh, over on Page Street, close to the San Francisco Zen Center. And it's like the hospice upstairs, and there's like a, a little meeting room downstairs that we would meet at. And at that time, they only met every other Sunday. And it, it, it was, you know, it started off, it was just very informal. We would just, we would just meditate and maybe have a Dharma discussion. I don't think the speakers came until later. Then we started having speakers come in. And then, of course, much later, we moved to here. And this is like a huge, huge improvement. But back then, it was, it was a pretty small operation. But I, I felt really connected with the group. And I felt a lot more like my experience as a gay man and my experience as, a, as practicing Buddhism uh, uh, were intermeshed a lot more than they had been before. But I was still going to Green Gulch and I was still doing the muffins. What, what, would, what I would do is, I, like on the Sundays that GBF was not meeting, I would do the muffins and then meditate and did Dharma talk um, at Green Gulch. And then when GBF was meeting, the Sundays that were, I would do the muffins and then drive back to San Francisco and, and, and hang out with GBF. Uh, so I, I, I really enjoyed the meditation part uh, and the contemplative focus that they gave. You know, correcting your intention inside and quieting your mind and quieting your body and so on. Um, but at the same time, again, it, 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 it felt like unbalanced in a way. There was an imbalance. Um, in the sense that it, it was so interiorly directed, but I didn't see um, anything being manifested that was exteriorly focus, focused. Um, and, and, you know, like, like, um, like doing the muffins and green coach, making a contribution that way. Um, and, and I happened to live in, in Cold Valley, and I, um, there was a, a homeless shelter for family, uh, no, no, shelter for homeless families, uh, called um, the Hamilton, because it's in the Hamilton Methodist Church, so the Hamilton Shelter, ha Hamilton Family Center. And um, uh, so, you know, I walked by this place all the time because it was my neighborhood. And I thought, well, I just had this idea. Well, what if we, like, you know, I've been working with food and as, as, as uh, you know, engaged Buddhism with the Green Gulch people. What if we had, like, like just a dinner? Gave a dinner to the, to the people in the shelter for like for like once a month, and um, you know I just, it just was idea wanted to float. I, and I went to the to the director there, and you know she didn't know me from Adam, but you know, she, you know she's kind of taken aback. And she said, "Sure, go on, try it. We'll be game." And and I went to the people here at GBF and uh, floated the idea and asked if people were interested in doing that, and, and um, a bunch of people were. 
so we, uh, you know, I put together a menu and uh, get the crew together. And at, at the very beginning, uh, we're going to have our own pocket. We, we would just you know buy the groceries and then split the split the costs among us. The GBF graciously later on took on that that part, so they so they financed it. And um, the Hamilton Family Center was quite was quite a place. Uh, it, it was, as the name implies, it wasn't just adults; there were children involved too. And, and again, this is another aside, but it was a real wake-up for me about what homeless meant. I mean, it wasn't just some individual on a street corner in downtown San Francisco. A lot of times, obviously involved with substance abuse or, or psychiatric problems. It was families and, and, and kids, and, and you don't see these people on the street, but they're homeless. They're living in cars or wherever else they can find shelter, so they're taken in. But um, it was like this big room with these stacked bunk beds, I think three tiers, and it was just pandemonium. You would have the kids running around, and you know you have all these conversations, these arguments, and all this stuff going on. Um, and it, it just, it, I mean, it, it, it felt like it was just like one little nudge would, and everything would just fall apart. It, it was, I mean, I really felt kind of sorry for the staff because I think they were really struggling. Um, but we just, we just went ahead and we just did our dinners and, and um, in that way we were making a small contribution because it was a non-profit group. Uh, you know, they, they fed the people and they provided them shelters. It was a, certainly better than living in your car. Um, but you know the, the budgets were limited, so the meals were very simple. So we so we did something that we hope would be like a little fancier. And at first we got all Buddhists and we're just giving them vegetarian meals, and they did not like that. <laughs> I mean, they, they all came from cultures where you know meat was a staple of their diet. So so we we jettisoned the whole we're gonna. We're going to, you know, improve your eating habits by vegetarian diets, and we just went for Betty Crocker mid sixties comfort food. So, you know, so we would have, you know, these casseroles and these meatloaves and these pasta dishes and these um, homemade cakes and homemade pies. Everything made from scratch. It was, it was, you know, good quality food. Later on, we we, we offered a vegetarian alternative, um, but originally we just had the meat dish as the main dish. And um, uh, again, you know, if, if if you if you do volunteer work with the hope of receiving some kind of compliment or or people expressing gratitude towards you, um, most likely you're going to be disappointed because uh, you know these people have their own problems. They were stressed out and just trying to survive, and they weren't. So, so I mean, you know, they, they express appreciation, but sometimes you know they they just took it for granted. So you just did it. And um, at the Hemel Center, you had the main sleeping space, and then you had like the, the dining area, and then you had the kitchen. And, and the kitchen was, was god-awful. They had four ovens, usually one was broken, sometimes two. And, you know, the, what you had to work with was, was very limited. And it was right there with the dining area. So you had, like, kids running in and out, and we were in the kitchen. And it wasn't, I mean, everybody was, was still involved, everybody else. Um, and you know, there's a whole lot of you know, you know stories I could tell about about doing that. But just one that um, um came, no, that really stuck in my mind, uh, even though it's so long ago. 
was um, there was this, um, you know, we were doing our thing, we were, we were baking, um, you know, making our, our dinner, and there was this adult man, this guy there, and he, uh, he had a real attitude issue, and um, I, I even forgot what the, what, what the, what it was all about, but there was some kind of you know, union between him and us, and he was giving us attitude and being, you know, uh, you know I guess kind of rude. And, you know, at first, um, I, I, I was annoyed by that, but then, you know, I just stepped back and said, well, look, this, this, is, this, this guy's here, he's got his family here, God knows what's going through his mind, whether it's, it's desperation or shame that he, that, that he can't be a provider for his family or, or, or uh, whatever. So, um, so I just gave him some slack and we just did our thing and we just let him do his thing. And then um, uh, later on, when the, when the dinner was getting close to being ready, uh, one of the staff just said casually, it's, 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 it's this guy's birthday tonight, the guy that was, we had a little run-in with. And um, uh, just, uh, just by coincidence, the dessert that night had been, was a cake. We baked a cake. And so somebody ran out and get some um, candles at some store nearby. We put in the cake, and the time came, you know, we turned off the lights, and we, and we um, uh, sang happy birthday to this guy and gave him the cake. And you could just um, see him soften. Sorry. Um, it, it, was, it was very moving. Uh, you could just see this guy just really go from this angry space to this space of just with the heart melt. And um, it, it was a very <coughs> moving, pivotal experience for me. It really justified um, what we were doing here. Um, so, and there are other stories too. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, just one of uh, we were going to do, like like November is we do our big meals like a pre Thanksgiving Thanksgiving meal, and so you know we go it's it's a much we buy, buy these hams and the pineapple rings and these cranberry orange sauce and these mashed sweet potatoes and you know uh, these pies. Um, so we, we, we bought all those ingredients and we came all together and um, found out that the, the night before they, they had a bed bug infestation. So, so, so we went there with like about $200 worth of groceries and um, there was like about three people there. <laughs> so we just made the meal and the three people had a great meal. <laughs> um, and um, I, I'm hoping that, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the food was put aside and refrigerated and eventually got eaten. Uh, but that was, that was quite an experience, too. Um, and eventually, the Hamilton Methodist Church um, was kind of like a landlord for this. And eventually they wanted to space themselves, and they were kind of edging these people out. So I don't know the legalities involved, but I, I guess their lease expired, and so... So the, the center had to shut down and consolidate downtown. So, um, you know, we, we, had this, we had this crew of people been doing this for years. And we, this has gone on for years that we were doing this. And, and we did it for years. And um, we, we were really tight. And, you know, we, we were serious about the work, but, but also had like, like an element of, of a social event, too. You know, we would make all these dishes and so on, but we would talk about, you know, some trip we took, or gossip, or you know, just some you know, just just social stuff, playing around. It was playful, but it also was very serious about getting the food out there and, and well prepared and so on. So so we had so we had this great <coughs> talent pool, but um, you know, nowhere to go. 
uh, after that, after the shutdown. Um, as it happened, I went to some community meeting in my neighborhood about something I forgot about. And I, I met this guy here who was working for the Larkin Street Youth Center, which is um, another homeless center, but it's, it's for um, uh, young people. Like, I think the cutoff age is 22 years old. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, young people that have been living off the streets and, you know, some, you know, you, you didn't really know a whole lot of their personal history, so we didn't ask them <coughs> personal questions. But it was, uh, you know, a lot of them, you know, you, you hear from the staff and just read what you read. is that some of these kids were supporting themselves through prostitution, through selling drugs, and, and, and uh, it was a disproportionately large number of, of, the, of the population in the shelter were, were gay or transsexual. And so you, you can imagine they were, you know, most likely kicked out of their homes or, or in home lives that was so impossible to be in that they had to leave and be homeless. Um, but uh, the Larkin Street Center was, was different from the Hamilton Center in the sense you didn't get this sense of chaos, uh, of things just, just on the verge of falling apart. And much better run, and the energy was much healthier. Um, and uh, so... So, you know, we're doing that. And it also was very different. Uh, you know, you're dealing with a bunch of young people. And, um, you know, regardless of what kind of uh, t rough backgrounds they, they come from, you, you get all this energy. You get all this, you know, loud noise and this enthusiasm and this, you know, all this stuff. And, um, you know, it, it was great. It, it was, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, they, and they were appreciative. They really, they enjoyed us every month coming there, and they really were excited when we got there. And it was, it was gratifying. Uh, and to hang out. And then, you know, we would fix the meals, and um, uh, we would sit down and eat, eat the meals with them afterwards. And get to know them a little bit. Though, you know, you know I avoided, and we avoided asking personal questions. We didn't want to pry into their personal lives. But you still get a sense of, who, or, or, of where these kids were coming from. And, <laughs> Their project and enthusiasm and their hope. I didn't see a whole lot of despair there. I just I saw a lot of energy, um, and uh, it, it's been very rewarding. You know, we're still doing it. We do the third Saturday of every month, and um, uh, well, yeah, that's, that's and it isn't like we're like the great benefactors to come down and give us give these kids the benefit of of our gifts. Um, I, I, I get a lot out of it personally. I get, I, I, you know, I, I have my, my middle class, gay, white, middle aged, post middle aged male existence, <laughs> um, and hanging out with similar people. And so it's it's really great to, to have one part of my life where I deal all these young people and, and all their energy and so on. It, it's it's a real tonic. So so I, I get a lot of pleasure out of it. Um, so again, we're, we're still doing that, and I'm still doing the Green Gulch uh, Zin Muffins thing, too. I've been doing that for about 25 years now. And, and the, the, the dinners have been, a, I don't know, about 20-something years. It's been a long time. Um, and it's, it's just been a very rewarding experience for me. Um, I, I really, <coughs> I, I like to, to, to keep meditation. It's a very important part of my Buddhist practice. And... Um, it brings me inward and, and it helps me quiet my mind. But I also like to take, you, you know, um, the energy that I get from, from this Buddhist community. I'm not out in some campaign of conversion, but, but just, just to be able to use this energy to, to go out in the community in one small way, you know, make a difference. Especially as all these issues going on in this country right now. You know, it, it really is, 
you know, you can either get really frustrated by seeing this stuff go on, or else you can at least do some small gesture that at least makes you feel like you're addressing the issues somehow in your life. Um, so that's basically uh, where I am right now. Um, I, I know there's several people in the room right now who have all, or currently or have been on, on the crew, and I want to acknowledge them. Jack Busby has been around <coughs> almost since the beginning. He's just been like a total reliable guy. He's always there. He's, he's a total, total sweetheart. Uh, Cass has been very has been great, um, and uh, we've got Joe. Joe gives me a little lip from time to time. But, uh, <laughs> doesn't take my authority position sufficiently. <laughs> But other than that, he's okay to work. And, uh, you know, Hal, you were there with the Hamilton Family Center, I remember. And Marvin, you were there, too. I don't know, do any of you guys, have I left anybody? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Tatuan and, and Michael, too. Um, do any of you want to, like, just throw in, like, very briefly something? I would add, I think the, the important point you've made is the doing. I think that, I was thinking about this last night, so much of religion is wrapped up in the preaching and the doctrine and the scripture and all of this stuff. And to me, as I get older and sort of think about this more, to me the value is really more in the doing and less in the preaching and the whatever theory you believe in. And so I think that this is a great group because it's an opportunity to go do something and to sort of live the live Buddhism as opposed to sort of learn about the dogma or whatever. I think that's really important. To do, yeah. to do these things. Great. And it is a lot of fun, and I really enjoy it. Thank you. Thoughts, Well, I'd just like to acknowledge you for sticking with both of those programs so long, and uh, I'm sure there's been ups and downs and ins and outs, but good job. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And, and again, it's a team effort, and you know, I really enjoy working with people that are on the project, too. Um, so, I mean, I pretty much had said what I had to say. Oh, how? Oh, I just want to say that I found your talk very moving. And um, I've always been um, struck by your compassion. And to translate that into action is often a challenge. And to carry it through and then to uh, do it over and over and over again is a gift to your fellow human beings. So I'd like to thank you for that. Thank you. We Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Let's see way over there. Uh, so I, I just wanted to express my uh, admiration and appreciation for your, you know, many years of uh, not only doing this, but being an example uh, to the rest of us. And I've, I've participated a couple of times a long time ago, and I always think about doing it more. I'm, I still am. I've just been busy doing other things. Sure. Uh, and I also wanted to just briefly add a, a couple of thoughts about earlier things that you uh, brought out. I'm, I'm also one of the the longest-standing people here I came in, I think, after you to GBF, but probably not much after. Uh, and one, one of the pieces was that I came there not particularly because it was gay, but because of something about how we approach Buddhism, which I, I now would see as Western or perhaps American Buddhism. I, I don't think they would be doing this in you know most more 
traditional having you speak here and, and about this in most uh, Eastern practices. And the other thing that caught my attention was your comment about the, the early experience of talking about sex and, uh, and Buddhism. And I tried to bring the subject up here for years and was also generally greeted by silence. But that's changed over now. Now, now people are willing to look at, at the relationship. So thank you for doing this, for the people you're doing it for, and for being an example. Well, well thank you. Mark? Um, I, too, thank you for... Well, I feel like Mother Teresa right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just I want to acknowledge and thank you for your service as well. And I I also trying to find a delicate way of saying this. Uh, I kind of want to bring out into the room, you know, this the struggle with, and you can correct all of this if I'm misphrasing it, but just like how do we get or how do you get or how do we get people to step forward to be in service? Um, and have you feel supported, you know? And maybe you feel supported, and maybe you've gotten all the volunteers you need, or maybe there's never too many. But I just wanted to, and I'm not asking you can respond as you wish, but I just, I kind of, you know, having been the leader myself of other efforts where you, you've gotten to do the good work, and you're hoping that others will step forward to do the good work as well. And the challenge in, you know, in holding that, that effort that you do while sometimes there won't be people who will step forward and support you and end up doing more than maybe you care to do, you know, so, um, and so I just wanted to kind of acknowledge that piece of it, and you can say I don't know if you care to do so, but I don't want it to be kind of, you know, kind of swept on the carpet either, frankly, uh, right. so, um, I don't think that quite made sense, but. No, I did, I appreciate that, Mark, and actually you brought up a good point. Um, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I, you know, there are not, way, way more volunteers than we need in order to do a given dinner. Sometimes you have a perfect storm where everybody's got some plans going on that Saturday, and it's really hard to, to put a crew together. Uh, so if people are interested in, in participating, you know, you can contact me either now or, or later, and I'll put you on the volunteer list. Um, and I, I do want to say uh, something that, that you brought up, Mark. Um, if, if I have any issue about this, um, after doing this for so long, I, I've really don't want this to be seen as my project. I mean, it has, j just by dint of necessity, it has my personality really stamped on it. But uh, believe me, I, I don't have, like, a, like this is my fiefdom. If, uh, I, I, I would like, hopefully, sometime in the future, where it kind of evolves, where, you know, it isn't just seen as, as my project with people helping me, where other people are kind of co-leading it, too. So throw that seed out, too. Yes. Um, I'd like to comment from a different angle, and that is I'm a parent and of a 25-year-old son. And uh, for years I've thought it's really important for gay men to be involved in young people's lives, both for the young people and for themselves. I have benefited greatly by having been a parent. And I just think it's, um, I don't know, I think it's an important process of nurturing or providing or protecting or whatever it both helps the young person feel something from a gay person. It also helps, I think, a gay person understand um, the lineage of things. And I still, I think it's an important, in, in many circles I'm in with gay men, one of the biggest um, 
bridges is between older gay men and younger gay men. And that sense of lineage that isn't really possibly mentored or handed down or nurtured or encouraged. Um, so I think your work with the Larkin Street <coughs> youth um, really gets right to the core of that, that necessity, that bridging necessity. Um, for gay men to be involved with young people's lives, both gay and straight, they benefit from it. You know, that's, that's a, a great point, Leonard. Um, especially now with the publisher we're dealing with now, we're, we're dealing with uh, um, uh, a lot of young people who aren't familiar with, uh, in spite of the fact there are a lot of gays in, in the Senate, but a lot of young people aren't familiar with, with gay older men or, or are not familiar with you know, a bunch of middle aged middle-class guys you know, doing this thing. And uh, I, I think it challenges stereotypes they might have about what a Buddhist is or, or what a gay man is. And I also think, you know, again, I don't know the histories of all, all these kids, but I imagine, especially for the, the gays and the transsexuals, their, their experiences with, with older gay men might have been more kind of like predatory. And hopefully it, it gives them, um, or, or abusive, and hopefully it gives them a sense of that, you know, another way of seeing older gay men. So that's a good point, Leonard. Mm, I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, and I don't know if this is inappropriate, but we've been talking about muffins, so I figure I might as well give it a go. I recently, after volunteering a bunch in Cambodia, I launched Cookies for Cambodia. And the website is cookiesforcambodia.org. And I'm kind of looking, if you know anyone who has some free time, or larger kitchen space, the demand is sort of getting out of hand, and I you know, can only entice my boyfriend and friends to come over in my small kitchen so much. So if anyone knows of commercial kitchen or like ample kitchen space for volunteers who um, want to help bake or to sell the cookies or you know events or fundraisers or flea markets or whatever you're a part of that we can get a stand for, I'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, Cookiesforcambodia at gmail.com, you can check us out on the website. Thank you. <laughs> We have a Yahoo group. You might even want to get that oh. mentioned in there. Yeah. I I don't know who, who's who's running that Yahoo or whether. Um, oh, no, oh, well, okay. I. You know, I no, no, that would yeah. We can talk about that. You okay. can be part of the. You can post messages there if you want to, as long as it relates to, you know, gay movism. Yeah. Gay It's a nonprofit. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I think it might be good for the Facebook page too. Yeah. We're on Facebook. We have a Facebook. Oh. Okay. You can see Tom Ruby. Great. Thank yeah. you, guys. Jared? Thank you, Mother Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Um, I have my demonic side, too. <laughs> but, um, I think it would be important to tell the, the group about your next dinner, which is going to be, we were talking earlier about dates and stuff, and tell them the timeline, the expectation that people are interested in coming. Cause sure. It's on the third Saturday of every month. And um, it's Larkin, Larkin Street. So what the name the is kind of, what? I'm sorry. What is the date of January? I don't. I, I don't know. You have to look up on the calendar. It's always it's always the third Saturday. Um, and uh, they have different centers throughout the town. The one we go to is is the one over on Ellis Street between Polk and Van Ness. And I ask people to show up at two o'clock in the afternoon on, on that given Saturday, and we're usually we're out by around six thirty or so. And if if you if you um, 
put your name down as a volunteer. This, you're not signing your life away or anything like that. It's, uh, you know, if you can't make it, uh, you know, fine, then, then you don't have to show up. Or if you don't want to make it, but want to do something else, it just puts you on the pool of people that I can contact when I'm putting this thing together. And you could even not say that, I would prefer if you do volunteer, you stay with the entire time, but if you have to leave early or you have to arrive late, um, we can probably work something out. Are you doing one in December or not? Oh, yeah. Uh, November is our, is our, was our big holiday dinner, so the December one will just be a regular dinner. But, yeah. So that will be December 21st. Yeah. And then the one in January would be the 18th. Okay. Yeah, we can celebrate the equinox. Um, not, I mean, the solstice, rather, excuse me. Jack? I know that I have that much more that's, that hasn't been said in one form or another, but I, you know, I consider this effort to be totally win-win on every front. We you know, provide this small improvement to these kids' lives. These kids, it's, you know, they're just barely trying to turn into adults. They don't have the best models, obviously. They have family problems of their own ones that 17 or 20 um, and their little background. So we, we provide that for a role model. And then, a role model. We're at least an example of being on another way. I think a role model is appropriate. And then, and then what we get back from it, I feel like I get so much more back from it. It's, uh, conventionally, I think of enlightenment as becoming awake. And this is one where we're awake to the way I feel like comfortably middle class in, in uh, its wealthy country. Most of the world is not like the way we live. Mm -hmm. They're an example of it right in our backyard. So that it's, you know, I feel like we got that quadruple, I mean, just being aware and doing, <coughs> doing a little bit of good without any, without any, needing any return or, or things that he's just doing. It's, it's, yeah. Is this a residential place, or is this a place where kids just drop in? Or no, it's well. I mean, they they drop in because they're homeless, but they stay there. It isn't like just a, an overnight thing. Um, uh, I mean, I mean, I have a lot of respect for, for what they're doing there. They, they 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 provide shelter to these kids, and they feed them, and uh, they counsel them, and, and they, they help them with job training. And um, if there's drug issues involved, they they connect them with counselors for that too. Uh, programs that handle that. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, I think during the week, they, they can't stay there, they have to, they, they can only sleep there, they have to come, they open up in the evening, but on the weekend it, it's open all day, Saturday and Sunday. Glenn, yes, um, can you or anybody else who's participated talk um, maybe a little bit about how doing this has changed your, your view or your opinion or your understanding of homeless youth, runaway youth, um, uh, yeah. or how they don't seem so much like other, you know, at, at a distance than before? Yeah, I, I, I touched somewhat about that when, when I talked about the Hamilton Center, about how it gives you a picture of homelessness. And, and, you, know, and I, you, you hear these statistics like like half of America, or whatever it is, half or some big percentage of, of Americans are one paycheck away from homelessness. Um, and uh, so I, I got that you know, with the Hamlet Family Center. You saw all these, you know, these were just like families. They weren't, you know, 
uh, involved in drugs or, or crazy. They were just families that, that lost that one paycheck and they were out in the streets. Um, and so they really, they really did give a, a different perspective on what the homeless was. Instead of like just this annoying person on the street corner in downtown. Um, and, and also, because I live close to the Haight-Ashbury area, there's a lot of homeless youth there. And, um, you know, it, it gives me a perspective on them too, rather than just seeing them as, as annoying uh, or real scary. Uh, you know, you, you, can, you can kind of wonder what their story is, how they wound up on the streets of San Francisco, you know, where they come from and, you know. And it, it gives a, uh, more of a sense of, of, of reality to me from doing this work. Yeah, okay. Joe, first. I would mention you can actually see where they're living. And it's interesting to sort of see what the accommodations are like. You know, it's yeah. pretty, pretty sparse. And, and I was going to mention something about what Jack said. I think there's something, for me anyway, maybe it's because I'm Italian, I don't know, of cooking food and giving yeah. it to eat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like doing that. It's like you're helping somebody live. You know, you're giving them one thing they need to survive. And there's something, I think, really wonderful about that. I, I totally agree. I mean, both with the, with the muffin thing and, and with the dinners, it's just food is such this basic... Thing. Uh, you know, I can't get much more basic than food. And yet the great thing is it's this basic thing, but you can do all these things with this. You, it isn't just something to give you sustenance. You can actually make it tasty and, and, and make it like a joyous experience. Um, yeah. so, so I just want to add, you know, food, food is, it can, can be a very important part of the Dharma work. Tom, Tom. I want to address something Tom brought up. A fellow by the name of Shepard, Kaminars um, is here about five or six weeks ago. And um, I had done some journaling and I bought his book and so forth and so on, but he invited people that wanted to to go down to uh, this um, place called Foolish Fools or something on Hyatt Street. The Foolish Fools? I don't know, it's something like it's, I like the name. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I went for a couple of Fridays. And it's a setting where most of the people, which I, you can hardly recognize, are either homeless or have little or nothing. And I was in the class on Friday. And um, this woman was there and she was, you know, she shared and everything like that. And then part of her sharing was, uh, well, she, um, she had her suitcase and all her stuff there. And she was, she, she was waiting to get a place sleeping in someone's kitchen in a couple of days. But she, she led me to believe, or she led us to believe that where was she going to sleep in the meantime? And I just sort of took it all in, you know. And it's like, uh, good God, I mean, I'm not going to invite her to my place. I mean, that's a whole other thing. It's just like people are out there, and we do have so many uh, resources for ourselves, but to be right there and dealing with them as a on the same level, they're just like we are. It's like, uh, it sort of um, shook my head up a little bit. So You don't know what to do to help out, really. And that's sort of the avenue yeah. I was looking for myself. Yeah, it's a, it's a real wake-up call. I, I mean, again, you know, we all get involved in our own problems. And, you know, yeah. But just to add on to that, okay. uh, if any of you are interested in following up with Shepard, he's very good, he's right there present and uh, and he's very open to people coming uh, it's a it's a, a journal writing workshop 
on on Fridays. Yeah, I just quickly want to acknowledge that um, one of the most memorable talks I've ever heard was from someone who had been a resident at the right, Street, that talk, yeah. uh, youth center and how they had progressed and you know was finding a job and finding their own apartment and getting getting into the real work world. Uh, but they were you know very inspired at what they had gone through. Um, yeah. and the Street Youth Center was really responsible for a lot of his success. Yeah, I, I, it just seems it's harder now for young people in general than it was back when I was young. I mean, the economy sucks so bad, um, and uh, the city's become such, so much more expensive to live in than when I was young, where uh, I, I see these young people, I think, well, even if they get a job or somewhere, it's going to be some minimum wage job, most likely. How are they going to survive in the city? And I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. But it, it, it does... Bring into it just brings those questions more to the forefront by doing this. Uh, instead of living, well, I speak for myself, a, a rather sheltered life where I'm not really exposed to this this element so much, except by, by, through this work. Jim, um, I kind of want to echo just the extraordinary uh, history of service that you are an exemplar of, and I really salute you. Okay, thank you um, for your long consistency. Um, I, for many years I had a prison correspondent uh, who um, initially wrote because he had seen a GBF newsletter that mentioned our dinners at the Larkin Street Center and he had been, he was living on the streets from the time he was 12. And when the, he said when the cops were chasing him, if he could get to Larkin Street <laughs> and get in the door, they wouldn't come after him. So it was like this free zone, <laughs> um, safe home. And I just the, he sort of Tom's uh, Huckleberry Finn character anyway. And I I just uh, um, but that was because of that um, he wrote and we we had a very long uh, correspondence, uh, but it was all because of. Um, Larkin Street, yeah, okay. that he That's cool. got into uh, an interest in Buddhism. Great. Great. Well, oh. um, anyone? Oh, well, spoken, you know, yeah. well, I just like, well, first of all, I'd like to thank you. I mean, there's nothing more, I'm not <laughs> There really is nothing more fundamental you can do for somebody than feed that Yeah. And I think it's, it's a great thing for that the that our organization is seen as doing that for people, and I think it's wonderful that you do that. But just to to address what Tom said, I mean, my my experience of encountering the kids at the at the center, and you do get to talk to them somewhat. Some of them are just like, what? Well, when's when's dinner going to be ready? Why isn't it ready yet? And and stuff and. And that's cool, but a lot of them are really interested in uh, why we're there and what we're, you know, what we're about and stuff. But they open up, and I think that in the gay male culture, there's kind of a romanticized sense of what hustlers are like and people who work the streets, kind of that they're street smart and manipulative and savvy and stuff, and to actually sit down and talk to these people and see the, the struggles that they're dealing with in their lives and uh, 
the hopes they have for like careers and just like the idea of trying to make a life for themselves is, gives me a lot of gave me a lot of gratitude for my own life. Basically, yeah. that um, no matter what I'm dealing with in my life, people are climbing much taller mountains. So I appreciated the opportunity to encounter them and, yeah. and talk to them. Jerry, did you want to say something first? Um, I was just wondering what the experience was with the youth. Were, did they also work in the kitchen or help you, or did you sit, sit with them to eat? Yeah. How much interaction is there? there there's a, a rule there that they're not allowed back in the kitchen. But we actually, a couple times I have broken that rule. I mean, I talk about on rare occasions it's hard to get a crew together. Right. I think once it's like, it's like I had like that one other person. Uh, and um, and so, so, so we just talked, we got some kids back there working, and they loved it. Yeah. They, they just totally got into it. I, I wish we could do that more often, but there's kind of like a rule, we're not supposed to do that. Um, and I'm sorry, your, your second question? Oh, and I just want to uh, Oh, yeah, we sit down, we sit down, we eat with them, and we talk. But again, we, we keep it light. We don't right. ask them, why are you here? What's your background? But, you know, they're, 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 some of them are fascinated by what Buddhism is, and some of them are very writing projects or something else and, and want to talk to us about it. And, um, yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be very meaningful. Yeah, Peter. Do you know if other organizations do this like on the second Saturday of the month? Or is, um, is from their point of view, is this unique that we come in and do this? I, I, I think they have some church that provides like like a spaghetti dinner once a month. Or like I mean like but you gotta get the gay guys to do it right, as far as the food goes. <laughs> I mean, you know, they do their spaghetti, but but, but, but no, but yeah, I think it, it, there is something like that. But I, I, I as far as I, I mean, we try, I try to keep the, I mean, I plan the menus, and again, I'd be more than happy to other people take over that from time to time. But um, I try to get dishes that that that. that First of all, if I have a crew, I want to give them something to do. So these dishes are somewhat complicated. But also, I want to get the kids to experience something that's beyond just a burrito or, or you know, a piece of chicken on, on, a, on a fried chicken. Um, and so, so yeah, um, we, you know, a couple of points I was trying to make about that, but whatever, there it is. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I see the unique, right? Yeah, right. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. Sure. Thank you. Um, so before we get to announcements, uh, next week our speaker will be Dale Borglum. Uh, he's been here a number of times. He's the founder and executive director of the Living Dying Project and a pioneer in the conscious dying movement. And he's worked directly with thousands of people with life-threatening illnesses and their families for over 30 years. <coughs> so he's always a... Tremendous speaker for us. Um, and then just to let you know that uh, regarding our uh, weekly donations, so Dhamma is a Sanskrit and Pali word meaning generosity or giving. In Buddhism, it also refers to the practice of cultivating generosity. This can be characterized by unattached and unconditioned generosity, giving, and letting go. And uh, we ask for, we suggest a weekly donation of $10 or more to meet our monthly expenses, which are about $1,200 per month. This includes uh, the rent, the speaker honorarium, newsletter production, mailing costs, the Larkin Street Youth Center dinners. Um, and there's an itemized breakdown of where, where all of the, uh, what the monthly expenses are out there. 
Um, so our host will be coming around at the social time with our Don and we appreciate your continued generosity. Announcements? Joe. Just a reminder that the Gay Men's Chorus will be singing three concerts, Christmas Eve at the Castro Theater, 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and 9 o'clock. You can get tickets at sfgnc.org. Um, and if you plan to come, try to get the tickets early because we did our big show last Friday at the Opera House. Sold out. Um, so if you plan to come, try to get your tickets sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'm the host today, and I provided food. <laughs> uh, there's fruit and cookies, and um, there's pomegranate seeds out there, so there are cups and spoons, plastic cups and spoons, for you to get them. <coughs> so I'm asking you to put the plastic cups and spoons in a blue garbage container next to that food, because I'll take them home and wash them, and so don't throw them away. And uh, there's hot water for tea. And if you have tea, please wash your cup out with soap and water in the sink afterward. As he said, I will be going around with the Donna Bowl, so you'll see me. And um, there's uh, usually a group that forms around the door at 12.30 for lunch. Um, everybody's welcome to that. And if you have any, um, if you want to sign, if you're new, or want to sign for the um, mailing list, it's on the bureau right outside the, right side of the door. Please. Uh, this Wednesday, if it might be of interest to anybody, the Gay Intellectual Salon is having its, its year-end meeting. It's generally the first or second Wednesday. This time it's the second Wednesday at the uh, LGBT Center from 7 to 9.30. And it's a uh, review for, it's, it's a place for discussion and conversation, really. And this time mm -hmm. it's about examining one's own experience of the year that was, but also about the transgender law that's just been passed. I don't know if you've seen it or not. Uh, so we're, some of us are attorneys, I think, we're interested in discussing the impact on children. It's, it's for children to use whichever place they want in restrooms, sports teams, and so forth in public schools. Uh, and also just because it was, was mentioned in passing with reference to uh, Larkin Street, the one in February, uh, is on paying for sex. Uh, it's a discussion about it, and we'd love to get some people who are on the provider side coming to that to join in the, the discussion. They're meetup groups, so you can find them on meetup.com. Well, um, during our social period, we'll try and make our uh, guests welcome. Lise, okay. Lise, Todd, and Jeremy. So, welcome. Appreciate you. Let's gather in a circle for our dedication. By the power and truth of this practice, may all beings have happiness and the causes of happiness. May all be free from sorrow and the causes of sorrow. May all never be separated from the sacred happiness which is without sorrow. And may all live in equanimity without too much attachment or too much aversion, believing in the equality of all that lives. 
Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, please subscribe to this podcast, like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.